0: Hello. Hello. You are listening to This Is Awkward. The podcast about how to have difficult conversations. We are your hosts, Leanne Nicol. And Christy McLeod. Ever feel like you put your foot in your mouth more often than a contortionist? Or worse, say nothing at all when confronted with tricky subjects? We are here to help by dissecting what makes some conversations so difficult and how you can broach them.
1: Life would be easier without awkward silences, faux pas and full-blown rows. We'll be talking to some amazing guests who will recount some of their trickiest conversations
0: and what they learnt from them. As well as offering some brilliant hints and tips on how to tackle some of life's most awkward topics. Time to fill those awkward silences. This episode is for couples, or thropples if that's your thing. And it's all about the sticky subject of money in relationships and the impact of the income dynamic on how division of labour is sorted out. That is a lot to get our teeth into. And to help us
1: navigate this rocky ground in relationships is couples therapist, author, and ex divorce lawyer, Joanna Harrison. Welcome, Joanna. Hi there. Thank you for having me. No problem. So lovely to have you on. Your book, Five Arguments All Couples Need to Have and Why the Washing Up Matters, is all about how to have a successful partnership and the tricky conversations we need to have to make this happen. How we communicate about issues is important to us seems to be a thread as to whether couples last the distance. But so many of us are so bad at it. In your experience as a therapist. Can you tell us what you see as some of the most common awkward conversations between couples and actually if there are any areas that couples really avoid talking about?
2: Yeah, I mean, this was this was really the sort of idea for, for writing my book. These five arguments that I think all couples need to have are these five areas that are often so difficult to talk about um, that feel like almost like do we need permission to talk about them and i think what happens with me and what i saw as i've been working as a couple therapist over time was that therapy was the place where they they needed to come and talk about these issues so the first one is communication actually i think couples need to find a way to talk about how they talk <laughs> so that that is a surprise to some people um the second argument is family and, and wider families, but also our, what we bring to our relationships from our families. The third one is division of labor and all the jobs that we need to do in a relationship. And that does tie in quite a lot with money. Um, and then the the fourth one is comings and goings, actually, whether that's being physically apart from each other, tensions around independence, being on your phone. And then the fifth one, which is also really hard to talk about, perhaps the hardest is sex and bodies. And so I wanted to, you know, I feel like your your podcast is very in tune with where I, I've been writing, which is that these issues that are almost they're sort of in our woodwork, you know, family, bodies being a part, of it. they're they're the things that aren't very concrete around us, but actually they're the fundamentals that we need to talk about in relationships. And and you know, we're talking about money today and that finds its way into every single one of those arguments, actually. Oh, it's so interesting. As you were
0: talking, I was thinking, oh, we need to have you on, we need an episode per per topic from your book, because there's just so much, so much. And it's it's so relatable, isn't it? Because it, you know, those those common themes affect us all. Um, so focusing specifically on money, yeah. And with all of your different experiences and all your different hats that you wear professionally, what do you think it is about money that makes it so
2: awkward to talk about, especially in relationships? Yeah, there's so many different things to say about that. but I, I'll start with one thing that comes to mind, which is when I was working as a divorce lawyer, um, which because as part of the divorce process, there usually has to be a disclosure of, of money. And what was each person has to fill out a form and say what their financial situation was. And sometimes it would be really obvious that people didn't really know what the situation was between them now look I don't know what conclusions to draw from that you know maybe people who are getting divorced found it hard to talk about money but anyway I think it was just a snapshot that people can live without really being open with each other about things and it's not that people are hiding or being secret necessarily although that does happen it's just that it's difficult to talk about and Why is that? I think everyone has their own really specific relationship and experiences with money. And that, that links to the sort of second argument I talk about, which is family, which is that money is like food. It's like sex. It's like we all grow up with very, very subtle messages around it. You know, it can evoke very strong feelings. People may have had awful experiences in their family with money, or there may have been difficult experiences or different attitudes and these are all so personal and sensitive. So oh, I, I think couples actually underestimate how difficult it is or how different they may be in that area. Um,
1: yeah. I would absolutely agree with that. I think before being in a relationship, I wouldn't have thought of money as being a particularly tricky thing to talk about. But yeah, I absolutely feel almost my throat constricting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, well, I just, I don't want to go there. And I don't really understand where that comes from. So it'd be, it'd be good to hear about how we can,
2: I don't want to say force ourselves, but how we can get to a place where we become more comfortable to talk about it. Yeah. So one of the things I was thinking is that, you know, maybe the, the conversations that are difficult to have with, with our partner are the ones that are difficult to have with ourselves. And we may have our own feelings about money that, that are easy to avoid. So if someone feels kind of a bit guilty about the way they spent something or I don't know it feels that they're struggling that that, you know we're all good at going to denial about things and it's a sort of difficult conversation to have one but with oneself and people can feel lots of feelings of shame about money or discomfort or worry that they don't want to bring into the external world with their partner so I think there's a sort of internal hurdle with ourselves that can get in the way I think and, and it goes with all these subjects you know people in couples in the busyness of everyday life and everything that's going on I think people can find it a bit hard to sort of say can we have a conversation about x as though they need permission to do that or as though it's a bit forced or a bit kind of unnatural or a bit cheesy even you know to sort just of, mm. we need to talk about this and instead leave it either to chance which is a sort of springing a conversation on someone which i'll talk about in a bit doesn't go that well (laughs) or having an argument because actually it it sort of comes out in an unhelpful way because it it has to come out somehow and i don't think couples are very good at getting on the front foot about these conversations they sort of get left and i think that's human i think that's natural you know i think we all i i you know i work in this i i know i know about all this but i still kind of it's still easy to avoid having difficult conversations we'll we'll find all our ways to go around it so um but I've noticed that when couples come to therapy one of the things in fact pretty much everyone always says what's so good about being in therapy is that we make a time (laughs) to talk about these things Mm. to talk about something difficult we know every week that we've got a time to talk about stuff so I think that actually tells us quite a lot about if couples feel that it's got permission to talk and they can make a time that is a huge start and then within that time they can bring something that's so interesting
0: so i think we've i think you've probably covered most of this just from from what you were just saying but my next question was going to be why is it so important that we just bite the bullet and and almost force ourselves to talk about money in our relationships what are those you've touched on it already but what are some of the potential consequences if we don't have those conversations
2: mm. so it's good hygiene isn't it it keeps pipes flowing to talk about things and if they don't they build up to more of a, an issue and i think with money you know actually money is serious it's serious i mean all issues are serious but actually if there are kind of issues or tensions around money it can have problems and at the moment everyone's feeling pressed you know there there might be really important conversations to have about like how are we spending um and so if they don't if time isn't made someone might be left on their own with something or building up resentment so yeah it is important i think it's just good hygiene and i see with couples you know when things get swept under the carpet and then they come down the line and they say we just didn't talk about this stuff and now look where we are it's a crisis i don't want to be too gloomy about this because part of what i have what i believe in is that our arguments keep us in check i mean obviously there are some kinds of arguments that aren't safe but actually conflict helps keep us in touch with the difficult stuff there's useful information when we argue with each other sometimes the things that we can't just talk about naturally or spontaneously find other ways to rear their head and then we can tend to them there
1: I think that's really helpful I think it's really helpful to make sure people are aware that conflict isn't always bad and that arguing is not actually the negative that we assume it is as long as Mm. it's done in um somewhere you feel safe Um, as, as you, you do talk about quite a bit in the book is that there's a difference between
2: not feeling safe when you're arguing. Of course, of course, it it must be said that if people don't feel safe or they feel at risk or that, you know, that is not safe conflict, but, but conflict that doesn't make people feel unsafe, it might not be, it might not feel good And, and people have different attitudes to conflict as they do to money, but, um, there's actually so much useful information when our partner is upset or angry about something that and instead of us saying oh i'm not you know get over it kind of thing actually if we can be curious when we bring upset or anger about where that's coming from then we might find something really important you know and and with money i think there are strong feelings there's there's worry <sighs> there can be frustrations about different attitudes and these need to sort of be on the table in a relationship i think people need to get to know they will get to know each other um i have an example of a couple in the book i think where you know one person is earning more and the other person they have a small argument about something and it sort of brings it it, it leads them to being able to talk about something that was too difficult it was a bit of an elephant in the room uh, between them and, and that's my experience is that actually it's good to get it's good to name these elephants um
1: absolutely i think sometimes you can have these really short sharp brows and think what earth was that about and you encourage us to get curious about it whereas a lot of the time you can think what was that about and why are they being so unreasonable without actually thinking maybe it wasn't about the crumpet or or (laughs) whatever I, i had an argument years ago um that revolved around a crumpet
0: but it was never about the crumpet (laughs) hashtag it's never about the crumpet
1: key in your book is this idea of getting curious and I think that's a really good opener is is go yeah. back to some of this. What was that actually about? Because I don't think it was about yes yeah. And I think that's really helpful. And yeah. um I really like the idea, like I said before, of making sure people know that it is okay to argue. One of the things you mentioned is though picking your time. And yes. I, I've got to note as a veteran of uh, sleep deprivation, yes eight eight years in (laughs) to sleep deprivation um you know for any young or parents of young children who are listening like cut yourself a bit of slack and don't have those conversations whether it's about money or something else when you're in the pit of sleep deprivation I think that's a really really good tip in the book as well
2: oh I feel so strongly about this and I've been there too and and it's only when you're sort of out of it that you think my god how did I actually how did we kind Of manage anything, uh, sort of, but and I'm really careful with couples who are in therapy to be tuned into how much sleep they have had because there is really no point being sort of masochistic about getting into something difficult, people, when when you're really tired. So, yeah, um, just going back to curiosity that you you were talking about in relation to money, I think. Curiosity is so helpful when it comes to money. I think we think because money is literally numbers, and okay, it's less physical now, but it's it's it can be thought of as very concrete. You know, it's it's stuff, it's something, but actually, a, a wider curious conversation about what was what was the attitude to money in your family? What did, mm. what were the worries? What what were the messages and sort of myths about money? You know, you I come in to contact with couples who have such different ideas about that or I think it can be so interesting actually just as a, it's quite an intimate exchange to hear those stories from each other it, you know talking about money doesn't have to mean how you know w- w- what's in the bank account how are we going to spend it it's also what does money mean to you what, what are your worries what excites you or what do you like to do it you know it's sort of yeah I, I think this is such a curious conversation that we again can often fail to have because when would we do that (laughs) yeah
0: it's such an interesting one isn't it because I guess societally it's still quite a taboo subject really yeah Um, and I do think things are shifting a little bit but also just you know building on this point around I don't suppose we really notice it so much but yeah this idea of what were the money conversations in your house growing up? Did you even have them? And and I know, you know, it, it swings from one extreme to the other, doesn't it? Because I know some people where the concept of money or food or anything like this can act, you know, really brings up deep-seated trauma because mm. of their upbringing yeah. through to people where money is their absolute driving force and it is their... Yeah it's the way that they find value in themselves and it means so much to them Yeah, because it's, well, this affords me X, Y, and Z. And these, these status symbols that I am able to acquire because of money give me all of my identity. And it's, it's Mm. such a far ranging set of extremes and, you know, and then everything in in between. And because like you say, we don't really have those conversations very often often so the first time you may be likely to find out your partner's views are once you are quite far down the road I guess as as being a couple
2: yeah I think and 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 learning from the sort of getting it wrong with each other or the miss the mismatches of ideas you know this is why the conflicts are rich in that respect and I think you know I see these these things coming out over time because I think money is this sort of exterior face of of some quite deep longing so say someone you know say someone growing up their parents sort of had a difficult time with money as you say that might or they they lost you know that that can sometimes be really driving and they may be really looking as we are with lots of things we're looking to repair things that were difficult when we were growing up trying to make a better job of it Mm. and you know, they may be in a relationship with someone who just really doesn't have that same longing, their their thing to repair may be something different, or they may not want to be in the situation that their parents were in, but then they find themselves in it. And then they're very upset about it. And their partner doesn't understand why. So I think there can be so much feeling around it. And I think one of the ways that couples can argue about money or get stuck is if they lose sight of that. So let's think of an example as as sort of okay well we we don't have that money what can we do about it get over it you've got to work in that way I've got to work in this way there's nothing we can't change that and and maybe they can't practically or physically or concretely change it but actually there's another dimension to that conversation which is really important which is acknowledging how sad or painful or difficult that might be Mm. and and get over it is very different from I I really know how much that means to you and I'm really sorry that things aren't different sort of thing and mm. and those com- more compassionate conversations change a lot of the atmosphere for couples
1: absolutely it's kind of moving from defensive stance yes. to working as a proper partnership isn't it yeah
2: yeah
1: and with that in mind what about division of labor and mental load between couples and where does that
2: sit within the money conversation um again (laughs) a big question I mean it's a massive issue (laughs) that comes up for most couples that I'm I'm working with and I I, I sort of you know I I symbolize this conversation in the book about with with bins you know we've got someone's got to put the bins out and and it's a bit like the bins if we don't have this conversation things start to smell um (laughs) but for all sorts of reasons we you know, we get stuck with our different roles. And again, it's the same thing. We have to be compassionate and kind of acknowledge, even if we're doing roles that we don't want to do, to acknowledge that maybe that is the situation. I think like money, people don't do it. We just get, do our things. Everything's busy, particularly when children making things very busy or dependents. And again, I, I sort of try in the book to suggest it's this sort of I call it a kind of internal HR function where people need to talk about the jobs they're doing how they feel about the jobs they're doing and I think and maybe it's because I used to be a lawyer but I have this idea of a sort of contract you know to to ask with oneself and with one's partner what's the contract here um mm. what what's the deal here like what what and that you know people may end up in a situation that wasn't their idea of the contract and Again, as we come into relationships, different we may have different ideas of what the contract was, and then feel very frustrated when it doesn't turn out the way. But mm-hmm. these are all things that, if they don't get aired, uh, can be um, corrosive. And actually, I do think this issue of roles and load, and if it's not tended to, can be very corrosive. And money comes into this as well because money quantifies something concretely. Mm mental load emotional load doesn't get paid for doesn't have a number attached to it doesn't get seen on the spreadsheet doesn't you know uh, um and so can uh, you know can get lost and there can be imbalance around that and 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 part of these conversations is to equalize and bring those less seen aspects I make a long list of them in the book I love that list oh <laughs> uh, yeah inspired by yes <laughs> some <laughs> of the things that get done in my house and um, uh, yeah because they need bringing out uh, you know there's so much more conversation about this but it's still a way to go <laughs> and there is a lot of conversations about it but not
1: much in the way of moving forward with it I don't think I think you you talk um in the book about the value and as you say before money is numbers and it's tangible and it's concrete and we can see it going in and going out um and division of labor um the mental load are generally uh, or or often invisible things and they don't have a monetary value and because they don't have a monetary value they end up having no value Mm. um and i mean this is a societal thing rather than something that a couple can sort out on their own but um it's a really tricky conversation to try and have the intangible versus the tangible yeah. and and how can we start to make sure that value is placed on these things more? how can we make sure the person who is doing put, potentially pulling more weight yeah. at home feels valued when at the same time they're not bringing in they're not the breadwinner it's, i i find it uh i oh, know such a sticky one myself so be interesting have you had couples who have have managed to
2: kind of clear this hurdle it goes back to this sort of HR function talking about everything talking about the load talking about the jobs gives them a chance to be acknowledged now if they all come out and that conversation starts and there's still no acknowledgement of it I think that you know is a bit of a crisis but I think it it, it does start at home and I think we are not conscious enough about it. I mean, actually, writing the book made me think about it. And I think one of the ways we can talk about it is not in a negative way, but also in a positive way that there starts to be a culture at home of actually acknowledging all the things that get done. <laughs> like, mm. and that is, is, is a sort of being, it, it's easy actually to, to be, to point those things out and flag up and notice, okay, right, you're doing that. Thank you for doing that sort of thing. Like, yeah. Uh, um, that builds up a better, communication around it but I you know this is work in itself it's like another job on the to-do list and you know sometimes the person doing the all the emotional mental load or more of it feels like this is just another one of those things that I'm having to do and that Mm -hmm. is difficult so I guess it's it's small steps it's what we can do but I think naming the load all the time (laughs) is, is a start and yeah. and and if it keeps coming up as an issue it can't get swept away I, you know i want I, I wrote that chapter so that not just the person with the emotional load could read it i wanted the person who doesn't see it that way to also read it mm. and you know it's really painful as as a lawyer working when someone would say well i earn all the money so i don't understand why the person who didn't earn the money should have as much now Mm. thankfully the law doesn't agree with that but it is pretty it's sort of amazing that people can think that but yes sometimes they do
0: (laughs) it's so interesting that isn't it that this points around the law recognizes that there is a difference between and and a parity i guess between physically earning money versus the the unpaid labor and the mental load that we're talking about but I don't know. I think things are improving, but yet within the home itself, I guess for a lot of people, like you say, from you know the clients that you've seen, actually that attitude is not felt so much in people's homes. So there's a lot of discourse
1: um, in the public about the mental load. Mm. um I kind of feel like we might just be talking to each other, <laughs> but we need to start seeing that in the home. We need um, the the yeah. partner who who is doing less of the of the unpaid labour to be acknowledging that more. Like you say in the book, it doesn't matter potentially whether they take on more in the home. It's about that acknowledgement. You're working as hard as I am. You're just
2: not being paid for it. It, it would you agree with that? Yeah, I do agree with that. And I do sometimes have that thought that maybe it's it's you know, women talking to each other about it. But I think it gives confidence to bring it. And, and I'm seeing in my practice that it's been brought and it's therefore more able Definitely. to be thought about and tended. And there are interesting statistics. I, I think I saw something yesterday. You know, I think people are looking, I haven't digested properly, but, you know, about even when people are equal breadwinners, I think they're seeing how differently men and women are, you know, men are having more leisure time kind of thing. Like that sort of stuff. There's interesting there's more concrete information about it i think i quote a study in the book that was an analysis in lockdown that even when people were both working full time women were doing more around the house and you know it helps that there's more um concrete stuff about this
1: and i really liked in the book that you said um it's not just about like the uh, kind of physical labour, but you're talking about things like um, one partner reading up more about things like child development or relationship yeah. issues um, and how to yeah. tend to your relationship. That is all still part of it, and that can go on, you
2: know, in the early hours of the morning. Yes, <laughs> quite often, yes. And being that person who's reading the book and kind of saying, come on, are you interested in this? I do think in our relationships we have to accept that we do, we're do we not the same and, you know, to try and think about the ways in which we're complementary perhaps and to be honest about that. So maybe someone does take the lead on that and has to and, and then it's sort of, well, perhaps to be curious, well, maybe stepping back, there are things that my partner does that I don't do so much of um it swings back to that lovely point that you made in the book
0: around this this sort of comparison with hr and creating some kind of hr facility almost and and i think that really helps because in any sort of organisation you know, you've got somebody whose job spec is X, Y, and Z, and that is completely different to this person over here who's in a different department who has different skills. And, but again, it's this idea of finding the language and the opportunities to acknowledge those differences. If it's going to be a case of, Do you know what, I hate taking the bins out, but I don't mind doing all of the reading up on this, that, and the other, and I'll sort the car tax. And it's just that I just think that's so. I, I love that bit in your book where you said about just taking that time to acknowledge each other and what you both do. Um, it's just such a
2: positive approach. Yeah, yeah. And like you say, you know, good good organisations review these things, like tune into them. And, and so in a good relationship, you might want to do that. And I think people can take on their different roles and be happy with it. Sometimes they want to know... That they're not completely I I use the image of a seesaw you know you don't want to be completely sort of one person on the ground and the other person the other direction you want Mm. to know that if you let go of something for a bit that maybe the other person could just step up a bit and like that you're not completely on your own with this particular role now that goes back to something that is difficult but another aspect of what is awkward to talk about which is often to say what we need or what we hope for and sometimes it just needs spelling out you know we long for our partners to do things by magic and maybe some things that we wouldn't think need spelling out do need spelling out and that goes in all relationships there's a bit of work to be done to say look i'm not going to be doing this so can you do this rather than hoping that they will and then being disappointed and angry
1: I blame rom-coms for, for it all. You're just like that person, you're going to fall madly in love. It's all going to be romantic and you never have to say what yeah. you need. They're just going to be there with all of the things and you ride right after the sunset. And actually, you, these awkward conversations have to be had yeah. more often than I think any of us no. would like. We, it's just, we're not mind readers any of us. So yeah, I
2: think that's um, it's a really point yeah i think yeah i mean i i would love a film of I, I, what i love about my job is that we can like trill into the really everyday like boring kind of like plates on the on the side type of conversation but i think it's really hard you know i said to my husband sweet he brought me a cup of tea and i was like oh thought to myself it's just like not the mug that i like <laughs> i'm like we've been together quite a long time and i know about this stuff but it's still really hard to like Definitely. describe yourself <laughs> It matters. Yeah. It matters what you drink your
1: cup of tea out of. Absolutely. Yeah, I yeah.
2: know. Anyway, it's good that we're still getting to know each other, but, you know, like, it's hard.
1: So with referencing your book title, why yeah.
2: why does the washing up matter so much? Oh, well, it, it, this is back to this thing. I mean, it's just so, there's two things. I think washing up is a, is a job that he's doing all the time. You know, every day it's, it's, it's sort of endless and... I think that that is both a metaphor for a relationship, that this work that we're talking about today needs doing, but also that there are these aspects of domestic life and living with each other that are just boring and hard and need constant negotiation and tending to. And and that goes to all these conversations about sharing out labour and who does what. But I also think that the, the washing up becomes the stage for all the tensions, can become a stage for anything that is wrong or that is, is sort of not quite working or, or needs attention in a relationship so if there is resentment about doing more you know then someone is going to think oh, i've I, here, here it is again i'm the one unloading the dishwasher again i'm not being heard no one appreciates me here sort of thing like those feelings sort of are seen there mm. in or someone leaves their plate Matthew Frey is very good on this um another therapist coach um yeah this is how you're married and it's a man writing about this sort of stuff um but you know the plate left on the side uh stands for the kind of feeling neglected or not not thought about um in sessions bins washing laundry piles washing up this is the backdrop of our life. This is where we spend all, most of our time together in lockdown, even more so. That was difficult. Lots of couples really struggled with all those aspects. And so this is the material, this is the fabric of our lives and relationships. And if those things are driving us crazy, then we need to be curious why. Because there's something underneath. As you say, it's not the crumpet. <laughs> Absolutely. Given all of these different things that we've talked about today,
0: do you have any final top tips for listeners who are hoping to broach their own awkward conversation, particularly related to money?
2: Yeah, you you say the word listeners and it makes me think there are always two sides to these difficult, how to have difficult conversations. We've talked a lot about talking today and how to bring things up, but also being good listeners helps these conversations go better and bring goodwill. So if your partner is talking not to you know, to, to, if you don't agree with it, to be acknowledging of what they're saying and you hope to get the same. Um, I think making time to have conversations, not springing things onto people. You know, what you're trying to do is not have defensive conversations, really. And, and so the way that you can foster less defensive an atmosphere as possible is to is think about timing, plan for timing, think about your tone, The stuff we've heard, don't make accusations, talk about your own experience rather than you always do X.
1: Oh, yes. You you mentioned to start with I. So, for example, you could say I feel really uncomfortable when we are in our overdraft rather than you keep spending all the money and
2: and (laughs) now we're poor. Yeah. 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 I think you can also, uh, you know, I have this argument, you know, an argument about arguments, really, well arguments about communication. I think people underestimate that they can have pre-conversations. You know, how would you feel if we had a conversation about money? Mm. Not can we have a conversation about money, but test the water, or I, you know, I've been thinking, but I wonder what that would be like for you. And it comes back if you always sort of bring a bit of curiosity. I think that goes down well um oh I love that I'm oh I I love doing this podcast I
0: come away with so many new ideas after every conversation it's brilliant because I am the queen of bad timing (laughs) as things pop into my head and I immediately go now is the time to discuss this massive thought (laughs) because it just occurred to me so that idea but that idea of how would you feel about a conversation I think oh Oh, yes, that's really nice because it just, it just, it avoids that thing around springing something on somebody, doesn't it? Because nobody ever likes to feel like that. Everyone wants to have that that bit of planning time to get their thoughts in line. Because, because also, I guess, I don't know, I'm speculating here, but I'm guessing the more time so or you know at least giving somebody a bit of time to get their thoughts in order will help with reducing any potential escalation as well because sometimes you know if you if you have something sprung on you you might not necessarily know what your thoughts are yet and you might end up saying something and you think later oh no I didn't actually mean that that's not my view on this totally and
2: I think that it's sort of helpful to, to to reflect oneself a bit to But also, I think even that we need to talk about money can, can sort of be triggering for people because maybe they've had someone in their family be like very, you know, that, you know, maybe that recalls a conversation an experience they've had and they might have a completely different reaction to that than their partner intended because of whatever money means so just sort of giving I always think with the conversations how can we make this conversation Mm. feel a bit more spacious give ourselves a bit more room Mm. for this not be in a sort of airing cupboard with it but like more like roomy and, and how can we bring out the best in each other here it, the other thing, you know, you're talking about the kids, like, it's difficult when parents are busy and the children and there's difficult. It's like sex. It's sort of difficult to make time for this. And so maybe there isn't going to be the ideal time. But the idea that we could try and find a time, I think, is, is a start.
0: <laughs> Joanna, you're so wise. I love all of this. So... For people who want to find out more, where can they find you, connect with you, and where can they buy your book, They um, can buy my book
2: in all the major retailers. And I'm on Instagram at Joanna Harrison Couple Therapy, and my website is JoannaHarrison.co.uk. Uh, so. Thank
1: you, Joanna. We actually could talk with you all
0: day. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this chat, and, um, yeah, look forward to having you on again. Thank you. So that was
1: our episode with Joanna Harrison. Christy, how did you find it?
0: Oh, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And again, as with all of these episodes, you know, it's just, I just love that I come away with so much that I feel like I can apply to my own real life kind of thing. Um yeah. It it had a few surprises in there, actually. One of the key ones that came up so um, early doors in the episode was this comparison, talking about money being akin to sex and food and how the way that you are brought up to discuss and feel about those different topics – you know money can be up there with those in terms of something that is heavily heavily influenced by what you see around you and your perceptions when you're when you're growing up and I just thought gosh yeah that's that that's so obvious now that she said it of course it does um and along those lines why so it just suddenly clicks why there can be so much conflict and awkwardness around that because as you know whoever you know you're talking to about these subjects they're going to come with their own history and perceptions that may be totally off kilter with yours but again I mean I just loved how practical she was with everything that that she was saying so I loved that idea of um when we sort of moved on to talking about you know roles and responsibilities and she said oh you know almost treating it like HR for your home. I was like, yes, I love that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I absolutely love a process, I love a system. And so, yeah, when I was listening back to it, I just thought, oh, yes, I'm definitely going to be taking forward these bits and pieces. You know, just like even just the simple stuff, like when it comes to chores, which can be, you know, whether it's in a relationship or whether you're with housemates or whatever. that that can always be so tricksy but actually sometimes if you go do you know what I don't mind doing the hoovering but I really don't like doing the dishes so let's maybe just divide and conquer and you know setting things out in a way it just gave so many little nods to practical tips around things that yeah I feel like I can I can go away and take forward and I also I also really liked her point about picking your moments um and you know even though it can feel a bit eggy to be like oh we're gonna have a talk about this but actually that's so much better than you know just gobbing off on the school run and being like I've had a thought this is what I'm gonna say now (laughs) you know and and yeah I definitely agree
1: with that but I think that's something that I struggle with is that having authenticity and sounding Mm. like me when I'm talking about planning to have a conversation a serious conversation especially about something that's grown up as money yeah it is grown um, up <laughs> yeah it's you know it's proper adulting and it's just like I have to find my own language I think um rather than sounding like I've just come off a podcast or just <laughs> read it out of a book yeah but yeah actually not springing that that conversation on somebody because I wouldn't want it sprung on me yeah I'd want time to prepare and organize my thoughts so as much as I would sound like a total dweeb, <laughs> saying, "Can we set aside time for this conversation?" and it sounds very worky and very HR, um, I think that's also one of the things that I
0: will be implementing. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. And of course, can we give a little nod to It's Never About the Crumpet, because <laughs> <laughs> also one of my favourite moments of recording this entire series. So yeah, that was that was delightful. And a universal truth, Leanne, it is never about the crumpet. <laughs> it wasn't about the crumpet. It was a, mm. a travelling companion um, and a crumpet
1: on a hostel floor. And it <laughs> went, um, horribly wrong uh, at that point
0: but uh, rupture and repair. Yes a little bit of rupture and repair <laughs> definitely <laughs> and actually just that just going back to what you said about um, how tricky it is to find the words to have these proper adult conversations oh my days me and my husband literally had this conversation about a week ago where we suddenly both went oh my gosh, the the school holidays have been a lot more expensive than either of us had factored in and suddenly went, I think we need to have a conversation about how we're spending and what we're doing and, uh, you know, one of those. But then actually we still haven't had that chat. We both recognized that we need to have it, but then I think we basically just went, or should we just watch an episode of the bear on netflix yeah yeah let's do that (laughs) or whatever it's on might be on disney anyway other services are available etc um but yeah we just sat down and watched the bear instead so i still need to go back to that conversation uh but at least thanks to that lovely advice from joanna at least i've got a good framework as to how we might we might broach it so definitely listen to joanna
1: rather than copying (laughs) (laughs) yes
0: (laughs) for adult (laughs) conversations about about money. How to avoid being an adult as much as humanly possible. That one I can cover very well. But no, definitely (laughs) listen to Joanna and not me. That's why she's an expert and I'm not. (laughs) Anywho, so on to podcasts. What have you been listening to?
1: I've been listening to Venetia LaManna's All The Small Things, which is a really fantastic, hopeful podcast um, which tackles some of the more difficult um things that are going on in the world at the moment such as climate change um she tackles things like fast fashion and inequality and has some absolutely fantastic guests on um and i really really enjoy learning from that and it's it's kind of similar to that one i mentioned mothers of invention because mm. it's learning about hard things but in a really easy accessible way so i definitely recommend that um I've also been listening to Reasons to be Cheerful with Ed Miliband and Jeff Lloyd. And the latest one had uh, Caitlin Moran on as a guest, um, of whom I am a big fan. Mm. And it was a really interesting discussion about her book, What About Men?, Um, and she's had a lot of pushback from the book Mm. because people are saying well it's been about men for the last thousands of years (laughs) Um, which I get but she's got some really good points and things that we need to be considering about how disenfranchised young men are and where that goes where that anger and um, you know those very strong feelings about um, being sidelined go and it's not to good places, obviously. And I think it's something we should all listen to with regards to parenting children who are coming up to kind of smartphone, yeah. um, social media age, because she's got absolutely terrifying, but amazing insights on that. Um, so I'd actually... <laughs> I'd love to get her on because I think those conversations are so difficult yeah. and so necessary. Um, in that podcast, um, Jeff Lloyd was also talking about a whiff from his scrotum. So it's a little bit, I mean, Ed Pelliband <laughs> was so, super cringing at it. And, and I can see why it was like, mate, like th- there actually is TMI. <laughs> TMI is a thing, but um but, yeah, I would recommend that episode and the podcast, nonetheless.
0: Nice. Yeah, I like the sounds of that. I love Catelyn Moran as well. I could listen to her talk forever. Um, She's
1: got the most amazing way with words, and I'd listen to her talk
0: about anything, Yeah, to be honest. There you go, Catelyn. Get yourself on for a little chat with us too. it It'd be lovely. would love to have you sometime. Uh, what have you been listening to, mate? What have I been listening to? I... Well, actually, I listened to about a million podcasts recently because I had COVID and ended up being stuck in bed for five days. Um, and I couldn't watch telly. I couldn't read because everything just hurt my head apart from podcasts. So that was nice. I got a chance to blast through loads and loads of some of my favorites. Um one of which was Alan Carr's Life's a Beach with Peter Crouch and Abby Clancy. And I know that the two of them have got their own podcast, The Therapy Crouch. And just based on their dynamic on that episode with Alan Carr, I was like, I have to go and now listen to their podcast as well because they're just brilliant as a a twosome sort of thing. Um, But then I was also listening to Dan Snow's history hit which was good as well. The, the one I was listening to was all about the evolution of the Taliban. Um, oh, wow. Oh, my it, it, deep it's really yeah, re- yeah, really, really deep and interesting and involved, but really bite-sized as well because it was only, I think most episodes were about 25 minutes-ish. So it really, I, I just had like a little tiny window um, and that very much filled the gap. So that was good. And then the other one, that I've been listening to which I rather enjoyed um uh, the list of absolutely everything that might kill you which is presented by Matt Edmondson and Adam Kay and it's really interesting they just start they take say the, the one I listened to was based on the workplace you know what is most likely to kill you in the workplace and it was what statistically are you more likely to be killed by is it a vending machine or a lift and then they work with a statistician and they talk to they they talk about um real life examples of people who have been killed in all these weird and wonderful ways and what it involves it's quite quite a strange premise but i enjoyed it it was uh, yeah so sort of light listening for for the bath so yeah I'd, I'd recommend that one as well it was very good very good
1: And talking about listening, two things. One, um, Joanna mentioned about the kind of active listening premise in the podcast, which is something that I really need to work on um, because when somebody else is talking, I'm often thinking, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Which is very (laughs) centering on me. In fact, I was probably doing that whilst you were talking, you poor love. Um, But (laughs) I definitely do it to my husband. Um, So I think that's a really good takeaway. And with regards to listeners, I am so touched to have seen that we don't just have listeners in the UK. We have listeners in the US, we have listeners in Sweden, we have listeners in Australia, we have listeners in India, Costa Rica and all sorts of places all over the globe, and I am tickled pink, um, which is a very <laughs> English phrase to have used, <laughs> um, and probably doesn't mean much to people. I am thrilled; I am so thrilled that um, so many people are relating to our content, and I know they've been getting in touch with you, Christy. So, could you just give the details
0: of our Instagram if people do want to comment um, about the show? Definitely, yes. So, if you want to find us on Instagram, we are at Awkward Podcast so it's nice and simple and actually just um yeah just following on from the fact that we've got listeners here there and everywhere which is amazing so thank you but also thank you so much to the people that are giving us all these lovely five-star reviews as well if you have listened I know I know it's so (laughs) nice and like the amount of people that have been getting in touch with me and saying that they've heard it and that they've forwarded it on because they think they know somebody who'd find it useful so yeah just so pleased and if you've listened to it and you've enjoyed it and you want to give us a review or a rating we would love you forever we'd be so grateful thank you thank you thank you we would be grateful and we are so looking forward
1: to coming back with series two, which we are plotting at the moment. So thank yeah, we you are. for all the <laughs> support um, and all the comments and um, we will be back. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to This Is Awkward, the podcast about how to have
0: difficult conversations. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can find us on Instagram at awkwardpodcast or you can email us at hello at thisisawkward.co.uk.
1: Please do hit follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And five-star reviews will also help us expand our audience as we tackle life's most challenging chats.
0: The content of this show is not meant to take the place of professional help, such as clinical and counselling support. Please do contact your healthcare provider, HR team, other professional body or a reputable charity to seek proper help for yourself if you've been affected by any of the issues in our show.
1: Until next time. Take care, everyone.